question is this, how do we get two groups of people to come together? Those that are completely disengaged with what I call their personal physical health status and those people who are in love with their physical health status and doing something about it. How do we bring them together so that everybody fits into the second category of falling in love with their physical health, lowering their risk of disease and feeling amazing? We're going to find out in today's episode of the new science of physical health. Hey everybody, welcome back here to episode number 117 of the Daily Drop of the New Science of Physical Health. If you've been following this series and this show for a while, you'll know that that is my first brand new introduction for some time. I think that's a little more succinct and what you just heard and a little bit more of the flavor of what I'm trying to achieve with the New Science of Physical Health. So let's start answering the big question today and diving into it as we continue to look at getting the topic that we had from yesterday. This is part two. I've got a beautiful section coming up with Dr. Norman Lazarus. And the section about getting older doesn't mean getting, getting diseases. You know, as you progress... So, actually, let me backtrack a second here. I've jumped ahead a little bit in my own mind. Because this is an episode where I don't... Sometimes I have notes... And sometimes I have partial notes like we will in today's episode. But then other times it's no notes and it's me just sharing with you the, the stuff that is inside my brain that is a constant thinking pattern about this answering the big question to do with the new science of physical health. How do we get people to fall in love with it? One of the things that I share with people, one of the things that I teach with people is that if you are not my age, I'm 55 years old, finished my physical activity today, my health software told me that I hit the correct dose, I was aiming for 20 health impact points, I in fact achieved 21 health impact points, and I'm right on track to have the maximum amount of health adaptations that will lower my risk of disease and help me to feel amazing. And that is exactly, that is exactly how I feel. So here's the thing that I share all the time with people, to, and helping to answer that big question. If you're not my age at 55, let's say you're listening to this program today and you're younger than 55. You will at some point in time, God willing, touch wood, you will be at 55 years of age. The question becomes is this, between the ages of 35 and 55 or 30 and 50 or 25 and 55, over that 30-year period, will you have developed some of the major diseases that exist in the world today that we call chronic diseases that are induced or the pathology of them happen predominantly because we, are, we do not have the correct dose of physical activity. And if that's, the, if that's the first time you've ever heard that statement, there is a correct dose of physical activity to drive down the level of disease that develops in your body and drive down the risk, and it can be proven clinically. I won't go into how just right now, because that'll be going off on a tangent. But there is a correct dose of physical activity, and it's related to the previous episodes that I just got through a 10-part, 11-part series called The Correct Heart Rate Pattern for Health. It's related all to that, so go and listen to those mini-episodes. But here's the thing that's, that I share with people and that I teach all the time, that your body is going to go from being 15 years of age where you should not have any life, where you won't have any what we call chronic disease. 
things like atherosclerosis, things like endothelial dysfunction, things like um, what are high blood pressure, things like end-stage organ failure. A lot of those are cardiovascular. You mostly won't have lifestyle-induced cancer events because you haven't lived long, lived long enough at 15. In fact, fast forward 15 years after that. So if you're a 15-year-old person listening to this now, you will be 30 years of age in 2000. When will that be? We're in 2021 as I record this. So you're in 2031, 2036, you will reach 30 years of age. Can, here's the question you need to ask yourself. Do you know whether or not diseases that you don't have right now can start developing by the eight between the ne- in the next 15 years? Can you get the precursors to a, heart, a cardiovascular event, a heart attack or a stroke or other things? Can you get high blood pressure between the ages of 15 and 30? Will your body, the real driving question is, will your body stay the same? Of all the people I've collected around the world that listen into this show, that I communicate with back and forth, most people don't know the answer to that question. I've done this in lessons or I've taught people. And I ask the question, put a timeline out. Let's say you're 15 years of age. I'll give a prize to the person who can accurately tell me what age that precursors to cardiovascular event and the conditions that could cause a lifestyle-induced cancer event, when do they kick off and what are those conditions? The answer is most people have never been taught that, and that's what today's episode is all about because we're looking at getting older doesn't mean getting diseases, yet that's not what happens. I went to my local delicatessen yesterday what do I have to buy yesterday? Oh, no. This morning. This morning I did this. Um, once a month, I've cut myself down in terms now I'm getting older. I've cut myself down to once a month. I'm having a cheat day on my food intake. Whereas normally I just eat a lot of plant foods and um, stuff that has been living recently. So I, I'm not a vegetarian, but I eat a lot of plant foods and some meats. That's it. But it's plant, not processed foods. Once a month, I eat whatever I want on one day, once a month. So I went to the deli today to buy some bacon. Because I love bake, egg and bacon breakfast. And I was in there talking to the lady who was serving me and uh, this is my local community. And she's about the same age that I am. And she asked me, D- do, are you still riding your bike? I said, oh, absolutely. Beautiful day for it today. Anyway, um, she said that she never does any exercise at all. Now, she doesn't know that I run this podcast. She doesn't know that we have a whole book and a whole platform based off that book. She doesn't know anything about that. But um, she does know that I ride my bike because sometimes I ride it from my house down the shops, put in my stuff in my knapsack and then ride back home. I get, because ex- it's hilly, I get excellent health impact points in the shortest amount of time. And she said the reason she doesn't, she has zero physical activity, she said because she stands all day. Then later on in the day, that's, that was her reason, later on, she, um, I was talking to my 12-year-old son and we are having a conversation. I told him about this and I don't know how it came up. Um, and then he said to me that, um, yeah, sure, she thinks she's getting exercise by standing all day. And I said, I asked him, do you know why she's not getting exercise? He said, because you don't have the correct heart rate pattern. You need the correct heart rate pattern. Standing around doesn't do anything for your heart rate. My son's a competitive swimmer, so he knows something about heart rate patterns. So coming back to today's episode about getting older and getting diseases, you've got two people roughly the same age. One person chooses to do the correct dose of physical activity. I'm 
I don't have, I'm not on any medications. And this, and this, and Dr. Lazarus, in a few minutes, will talk about this. I'm on no medications, not being treated for any diseases of any description because I'm getting the correct dose of physical activity and it's having its desired effect of creating the correct health adaptations. And we talk about those health adaptations in previous episodes. So I'll give you an example. Look, this is amazing. Um, I've only done a little bit of research on this, but I went and found some stuff. One of the big things... My big things. One of the big diseases that people get is high blood pressure. Listen to this. American Heart Association, the gold standard for the area of cardiovascular disease, the number one cause of sickness and death worldwide. And that is 18 million people a year will pass away of a cardiovascular event, but 36 million people a year will have a cardiovascular event. Well, there's a precursor to that. One of the precursors, one of the many that physical activity deals with. And I won't go into why, but physical... Well, I'll give you a brief explanation, and there's whole episodes on this. Physical activity releases a gas into your blood vessels called nitric oxide that has a short half-life, so it means you've got to keep doing it on a regular basis. You've got to get the correct dose that improves the flexibility of your artery and what we call the dilation factor. And you get more oxygen and more blood and more nutrients into your muscles more easily as a result of this nitric oxide affecting something called the endothelial tissue, the skin on the inside of the arteries. By the way, short fun fact, you have enough blood vessels to wrap around the earth. That's insane, isn't it? Enough blood vessels to wrap around the earth. Well, here's one thing I always tell people, you have blood vessels around every blood vessels around every single air sac in your lung. Arteries and veins, arteries and veins or capillaries. So, where oxygen diffuses. So listen to this. How many air sacs have you got in the body? Average human body in the left lung has 250 million air sacs. Average lung, right lung, 250 million air sacs. 500 million air sacs inside your lungs, blood vessels around every one. Every one of them. Doesn't even count the blood vessels in the brain, which is insanely huge. That's why you have enough blood vessels to wrap around the earth. Think about that. 500. There's more than 500 million blood vessels in your lungs alone. That is mind-blowing. So the correct dose of physical activity helps to change the, what we remodel the blood vessels so they become more elastic. Nitric oxide releases if you get the correct dose of physical activity. The challenge is this. The overwhelming majority of people don't do it because they never heard of nitric oxide. They've never heard of endothelial tissue becoming more flexible which triggers a reduction in blood pressure. Why would I even want to reduce my blood pressure? What's high blood pressure? What's acceptable blood pressure? What does blood pressure do to me medically that's negative if it's high? How does it cause a disease? Those are the types of questions that blow people's mind. It blows the minds of the average person. This is why I built this show, The New Science of Physical Health, and all the materials. It blows the mind of the average person involved in the health industry, whether they're an educator like me or someone who's a fitness professional or someone who's a physiotherapist, they're the kind of questions that blow most people's minds. That's why I interview PhDs, because I want to take what they know and flip it into simple lessons. Here's a simple lesson. Listen to this. Blood pressure. I'm not going to do the classifications today of what high blood pressure is. If it is high, oh, that's what I meant to say. I got off track. Listen to this. The same in most Western countries. My country would be the same. Almost 50% of American adults 
have high blood pressure, which causes irreparable damage and can leave as a massive contributor to a precursor to a heart attack or a stroke or another nasty disease called end-stage organ failure. I interviewed the chief medical prevention officer, chief medical officer for the American Heart Association, Dr. Eduardo Sanchez from Dallas, Texas. He's one of the previous episodes in this series. And he said to me that end-stage, so he is the chief medical officer for public health and prevention for the esteemed American Heart Association. And he said to me, end-stage organ failure is a nasty, nasty disease. It's like a kidney shutdown. How does it happen? High blood pressure. I just walked you through what happens if you don't get the correct dose of physical activity. Half of all Americans, half of all Australians, people in England, people in New Zealand, people in South Africa have got high blood pressure. How's it normally dealt with? Check this out. This is amazing. How is it normally dealt with by the medical profession? It's done with different classes of blood pressure medications. I will never tell anyone, don't take your blood pressure medication. I'm not a doctor. Why would I say that? To me, that's crazy town. I wouldn't tell people not, I don't have the knowledge. I'm not a person that has been to medical school. I've got a degree in health and physical education. There's no way I would promote that. But the way the medical profession deals with it is listen to the way in which they prescribe medication, which if you don't get, get it under control, you're in trouble. You get diseases. So they have things like, I'm just going to go through this briefly and then get, uh, give you the section of Dr. Norman Lazarus about today's episode of getting older doesn't mean getting diseases, but this is how they treat this particular disease. They have the classifications of, they have diuretics, beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, uh, angiostensin 2 receptor blockers, whatever that is, calcium channel blockers, I know what that is, alpha blockers, I know what that is, alpha 2 receptor agonists, combined alpha and beta blockers, central agonists, peripheral adrenic, uh, uh, androgenic inhibitors, and vasodilators. I know what vasodilators are. Now, I could go just under diuretics here. I'm looking down this list. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 common brand names of, of um, diuretics. Diuretics help. Diuretics help to get the body rid of excess salt or sodium and water and help control blood pressure. They're often used in combination with additional prescription therapies. You know what? As I read down that list just then from diuretics down to vasodilators, you know what wasn't prescribed? Physical activity. Releasing the gas nitric oxide into your blood vessels, impacting the endothelial tissue to help drive down your blood pressure, to help steer you away from getting into what's called the disease funnel, where you're at risk of the number one cause of sickness and death, cardiovascular events, and getting into the health funnel, where you lower your risk of disease and feel amazing. That's what happens in the health funnel. It happens when you get to the bottom. Let me introduce you to the man I said yesterday, Example is not the main thing, it's the only thing. What a great statement. Example is not the main thing, it's the only thing. Dr. Norman Lazarus, by the way, I promised him I would do this. You need to go to Amazon and type in his name for his book, How to Age Well Wisely and Well. Dr. Norman Lazarus, The Lazarus Strategy. Great name. You've got to get in and, and get in and get a hold of that book. It is just sensational. He gave up his time with me. I want to repay that because what he has to share works. It particularly works 
for people who one day think I'm going to be 50 or above, I want to know how to age well, wisely and well. Well, that's the Lazarus strategy. That's Dr. Norman Lazarus, 86 years old. In another month or two, he said to me when we did the interviews a few days ago, genius man, listen to another little excerpt. There is a mini-series coming. I'll be back at the end to wrap this up. But here is Dr. Norman Lazarus the transitioning to a section of our interview that was just delightful to do. Anyway, I, I found somebody, uh, uh, Professor Harridge, yes. who listened to it and he said, yeah, you know, there's something in that. Let's set up an experimental program in which we will investigate the effect of uh, behavior yeah, yeah. on... And of course, the, the effect that is most prominent and it's easy to see is of course of exercise so we sort of okay we look at exercise first because there are other components as you know uh, in behavior it's your mental behavior and your eating yes but in general again remember in biology things are not absolute but in general people who exercise tend to look after their diet that's what i thought i think the same yeah yeah, so that you see this link. So we thought, okay, we'd go for the exercise and then we'd see whether. And we chose cyclists. Yes. Amateur cyclists, non professional people like me who were doing it purely for pleasure. Yeah. And we began to follow them. And of course, it just turns out in as short a way as possible that exercises, uh, exercise, is one of the ways to prevent those diseases which affect most of the population and will allow you then to age without having the disease component of the age. So we break the association between getting old and getting a disease. Wow. And so let me ask you this question then by way of asking you about the work you do at, um, at, the, at the university. When you're testing people, so are you testing people from your, did you say from your cycling club, are they all um, like, well, I'm 55, so I'm not young, but um, are they all like my age and above? Those are the type of people that you're testing? Uh, because I'm really interested in aging. Yeah, yeah. And that, so in other words, if you had to ask me what is driving all this, I want to know how to age healthily. Okay, that is the main driver. So, yes, we could have started with young people, but young people, you've got to be a certain age. And people listening to this podcast will immediately, before you begin to think, hmm, things are happening to me here, you know, I, I, I'm not as good as I used to be. And it's got to be around, I mean, I'm around about 50. Let's not argue exactly, but around about the, you suddenly begin to get these intimations of mortality. You know, things are not going to go on as well as that. We work with people from 55 to 80 plus. Right. Males and females. Yeah. Cyclists. I belong to an organization called Audax. In fact, you've got one in Australia as well because they are long-distance cyclists. That's, that's yeah. the difference between us. And the great thing about long-distance cycling, the rules of Audax are you're given a distance, you've got a cycle, yeah. and you've given a time. Right. But 
there's no first. In other words, if you want to cycle like crazy and get there and does it yeah, in half an hour, or you want to cycle slowly and get there in the time allotted, yeah. as far as the Audax is concerned, it's the same thing. Yeah, other words, we do not have winners. We simply have people who have completed distance in the time given. Right. How you want to do that is, and the great thing about that, of course, is that you to do it in the time given, you're not pedaling as if you're in a championship. Yes. You're pedaling always within your capabilities. Yeah. So you go at the speed with which are you capable in order to ensure that you finish in the time available. And there are men and women. So you get mixed. Yeah, yeah. Mixed groups, events. mixed events. And we do the same events and it's lovely. So from oh. that whole group, this is where we picked our, uh, our uh, volunteers in order to study them. So that was the basis of when it. You're, and I've, I read a bit of the research that you pointed me to in the uh, Frontiers of Physiology. And, and one of the things that I, that because uh, I've interviewed lots of different doctors and professors of exercise physiology, and so you've uh, got a, um, a PhD in medicine and another one in molecular biology, is that right? Right, yes. So let me ask you this question, given, because I, I, and I'm just I'm fishing to see which direction your research goes in, um, you know, from a practical sense, when you're examining your subjects and looking at the, the people who are you know, my age and above, um, I might only just qualify for that group. Um, in fact, I was cycling today here in Australia. It was fantastic. Beautiful, well, good for you. Beautiful, sunny day. I love cycling because it's easy on my joints. Um, fantastic, yes. Um, but um, when you look at them, do you look at um, some of the molecular and physiological changes that happen to them in comparison to the average person? So, for example, you do. are you looking at things like their blood pressure or endothelial function, um, you know, things that are indicators and markers that they're living without disease. How, how do you go about that? Yeah. Well, what we do is we have, we've, we've got a big study on now running in which we are, we have, uh, in fact, we've expanded it because of the data that I got from the previous research. So our colleagues, we've expanded it. And what we have, just quickly, I won't go ahead, is we've got a young group. Yeah. That I mean under 30. Okay. Who are cyclists. Yeah. And we've got a young group who do not exercise. Right. So we're going to compare those. Yep. We've now got an aged group, if I can put it that way, yeah, yeah. who are cyclists, right? Yeah. And we've got an aged group who are sedentary. Right. Right. So we've got young exercisers, young non exercisers. Old exercises, old non-exercises. Yeah. So just visualize that in your mind. So when we look at a young exerciser versus an old exerciser, yeah. because they both exercising and we say these are the factors which keep you healthy, yeah. the difference between the two is due to age. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. So just So we then look at all, I'll tell you which parameters, and we begin to see what is affected by age. Okay. Right? In other words, exercise can't protect you against age. No. It no. protects you against the disease. Yes. Okay. So the difference is age. Now, when we look at the, a young exerciser and a young non-exerciser, yep. 
The difference is exercise. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, right? Yep, yep. So the difference in the, that this person, the young one hasn't yet developed the disease yes. because they're too young. Lived they haven't. They've they got to live a bit. So the difference then between their physiology is the effect of exercise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can see from these four groups, we can begin to tease out what is due to age and what is due to the impact of exercise. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that's where we are. So what are we finding? Well, there's no doubt that aging causes your physiology to go down. So I'm going to say, let us look at a young exerciser and an old exerciser. Yeah, yeah. So, so everybody who's exercising and aging, listen to this. No, you just got to look at me and you just got to look at Shane and you see that what, what aging does <laughs> because we... <laughs> We are, we are both exercises, and I'm what you're going to look like in 50 years or whatever. I've got less hair than you already. <laughs> so anyway, and you can decide who looks better. Anyway, that is that is. And what is the effect of age? Yeah, yeah. Well, the effect of age, and I'll tell you in broad terms, so that we know uh, um, we can begin to develop some feeling for it. Yeah, yeah. First of all your muscle mass begins to shrink, right? Yes. Yep. So it means the amount of physical activity you can do is lessened. Yep. Your ability to move air in and out, oxygenate yourself goes down. That's kind so, of your respiratory fitness score that goes down. That goes down. Yeah. And the beauty of it, if I can put it that way, I know you're going to say, what's, what's the beauty of it? But think in biological terms. Yeah. The beauty of it is that I'm 80, I'll be 86 in two months. Wow. Is that everything shrinks, right? But it shrinks in a way that physiology is maintained at a level that is optimal for that age. All right, everybody. <laughs> Dr. Norman Lazarus, again, just an exquisite learning from someone who's got two PhDs and a Bachelor of Science. I really am excited. Don't forget, get the book. You've got to get his book, Dr. Norman Lazarus, The Lazarus Strategy, Brilliant. Any Amazon, all the bookstores. There's an Audible version as well. I like Audible books. You've got to go ahead and get that. Um, sensational. So I wanted to wrap this up and say thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I'm probably going to just drop in a little bit more. You know, I get so enthralled and interested and excited about creating new things. with a really creative brain when it comes to this subject, the one that I love the most. But it's like I almost run out of time in the day to start with so many things, but well, I am going to create the mini series off the back of this one over one hour interview. So many fantastic things to share about Dr. Lazarus and his work. And I want to thank you so much for joining me, everybody. We'll do some more with Dr. Lazarus tomorrow because I want to continue to encourage people to go out there 
and grab a hold, particularly if you are closing in on the age of 50 and above. Age well and wisely. Dr. Norman Lazarus, all the bookstores across the world have got it. Type it in, you'll find it straight away. Audio book or the um, printed version book. All right, everybody, that's it. That's a rapid lay. Back with more with Dr. Lazarus tomorrow in the episode. Brilliant stuff. Wherever you're up to in your day, have a fantastic day. Lower your risk of disease. Feel amazing. Bye for now.